everybody. This is Mike Van Meter, and welcome to the Mike Van Meter Show. And this is your one-stop shop for everything having to do with the Constitution, freedom, patriotism, and the American way of life. And uh, today, I have a special guest, and it's really exciting for me. Uh, my guest is Mark Morgan, and uh, I was had the opportunity to run into Mark Morgan at CPAC this year. I was uh, hanging around Media Row uh, doing some interviews. You guys have, have heard those interviews here on the podcast. And I ran into Mark Morgan, and uh, it was real exciting because just by way of background, I used to work for Mark Morgan back when I was an instructor at the FBI Academy, and I was teaching at the FBI National Academy, and I was also an employee assistance program peer counselor and had the opportunity to work with uh, Mark on uh, some issues and involving in employees and in helping employees and that was the the main thrux of my relationship with him and I, I have to tell you this is a man with a big heart and he was always looking at the the what was in the best interest of the employees and we were always striving to make uh, life good for them and and making uh, helping them live healthy productive uh, lives and and we had lots of discussions about that. He retired from the FBI, and many of you know that he went on to uh, bigger and better things from the FBI. <laughs> I'd like to say, although the FBI is very important, but he went on to serve in a couple of different administrations, and he's going to tell you all about that. And then, as you know, I went off and, and retired, and then went back to school and uh, got another master's degree and became a therapist, where I'm working at at a hospital right now. But there's a lot of intersections between the work that Mark is doing and the work that I'm doing. And you're going to say, well, how's that? Well, we're going to talk about that because uh, enforcing the, our border here in the United States is a big part of what he does. And I'm on the receiving end of that. And that is uh, a lot of the uh, drug trafficking that has made its way across the borders and, and human trafficking and all of the other issues that uh, we now have here in the Commonwealth of Virginia and across the United States is something that he's worked hard on and I'm working on hard on as well, you know, trying to help the people that are now suffering from the effects of that. And so with that, uh, Mark Morgan, welcome to the show. Mike, hey, first of all, thanks for having me. And it was, I, I have to echo what you said. It was it was great to see you at CPAC. It's always good to see a, a familiar face. And I think you said it well. I, I enjoyed our time working together at the FBI Academy. And, you know, for those who are listening right now, you know, I want to echo uh, some of the sentiments that you said. I, I think that you brought uh, a specific set of skills and experience based on your own life that I think really uh, helped to develop you into a, a really rich a public servant. Um, you, you know, you talked about, you know, helping employees. And I think that was one of many strengths that you had. And I always appreciated uh, our, our talks and, and our discussions because when we would talk, that's what we always did, right? We, we talked about, okay, hey, we, we, I, I'm not saying I got it right. Um, I'm far from perfect, but we were sure darn trying. And we always had the talks about, okay, we're going to do this. What's going to be the impact of the employee? How can we, you know, lessen that negative impact? How can we make the work environment a little bit better? Uh, and I really appreciate it. Always appreciated that from you. And again, I think just your own life experiences made you more empathetic and more compassionate. It made you better at what you did. So uh, enjoyed the time. It was great to see you. And, and I look forward to us talking today. Yeah, and, and I, I echo all of that. And, uh, you know, a lot of the employees at the academy, the academy is a big place. I don't think people yep. realize how sprawling it is. You know, you think of the traditional <laughs> FBI academy, you know, going through it's It's kind of like, for those that aren't familiar, it's kind of like the police academy for the FBI. Uh, but there's a lot more to it than that. There's the lab, there's HRT yep. is over there, and uh, we have a lot of different... It's a complex. I always call yeah. it a complex. Right? It was. Right. It is it, a yeah. complex. And there's a lot to it that's not 
not quote unquote the academy and and you were in charge of all of that and uh there's a lot of moving parts and you know i i just i just enjoyed the time the fact that you took the time to care about the employees and and we would talk about specific cases and individual employees and the amount of time that you spent with me to ensure that we were doing what was right for the employee uh, it was just fantastic and you know when you retired um, you know, a lot of times, you know, people kind of part ways in the FBI and we all go in different directions. And uh, I, w- <laughs> I went into a wildly different uh, profession in counseling, but uh, it brought, I tell you, and we'll, I'll talk about that some other time about the skill sets that being an FBI agent, a police officer and um, a, a naval officer. And, and by the way, we can talk about that as well. You have a very similar background, but the skill sets that that brings to the counseling profession, but you uh, took your skill sets and went in a different direction. I remember one day uh, after having lost track of you, I turned on the TV and there's Mark Morgan. Um, <laughs> I was like, I know that guy. Tell us a bit about, so what was your journey after after retiring from the FBI? Yeah, you know, I, I would like to say that I was smart and, and followed a similar path that you did at the FBI, but um, I didn't. I stayed in governmental service, so I'm, I'm glutton for punishment. So I left the FBI and I became chief of the United States Border Patrol under the Obama administration. And then later uh, I became uh, acting commissioner of Customs and Border Protection under the Trump administration. And look, Mike, I, I mentioned what administrations I, I fell under intentionally because what happens a lot of times when we're talking about what's happening at the border because it's become so political it's become so divisive that people a lot of times they they think you're aligned with a certain political party and they just shut you down they don't listen to the facts truth and reality so i want to remind your listeners as as we're continuing our discussion like you i i served this government for almost 40 years under six different administrations both republican and democrat so when we talk about the catastrophic crisis at our southern border right now. This isn't about politics. This is about America. This is about the rule of law. This is about our sovereignty as a nation. This is about protecting our nation's safety and national security. Um, It's not about politics. Unfortunately, the border has become infused with politics. Yeah, absolutely. And so talk to us a bit about why the listeners and the voters out there should not look at this as being a political issue. Why is this an American issue and covering a number of of aspects like national security, um, the human aspect, the uh, how it's it's affecting our economy. I mean, we could go on with maybe 10 different areas where the, the way that we're treating the border right now is detrimental to nearly every aspect of the United States. I, I, Mike, I, I completely agree. I, I, I couldn't have said it better myself. And I think the way you just articulated is one of the things that reminds me is, look, you, you don't have to have held the positions I, I've held. You don't have to be a border security expert to just understand and say and recognize what you just did. It's, it's really common sense. And your question is really the question, right? Why should it matter? So if you're in if you're in Missouri or or Vermont or or, or or Colorado or Virginia, why is what's happening on our border? Why should that matter to you? Well, here's why. First of all, there, there's there's a, a, a saying we've been trying to get out there for a very long time. You and I talked about it in the green room. Is that is is that every state is a border state. It's not just about how the border, the physical border states are being impacted, because here's why. If we set the premise, and we'll talk about the threats, but any threat, any threat that comes across, 
the, the, south, the southwest border, any of our borders right now. It doesn't stay in the border states. Every single threat makes its way to every single state in this country. So whether it's drugs point across our wide open southwest border, we know the epidemic with respect to fentanyl killed 100,000 Americans in a 12-month period. By the way, Mike, in 12 months, that more Americans died from drug overdose or poisoning than all the Americans died from all the terrorist attacks, the Iraq, Afghanistan, and Vietnam wars combined. In 12 months, more Americans have died, and we know criminals are pouring across. Now, look, here's what's very important. I did not say that all illegal aliens come across are bad. That's not what I said, but here's the truth. They're not all good. We, we, we've had over 1.7 million total gotaways in 25 months. Those are illegal aliens that have stuck across our, our border and evaded apprehension. We know nothing about them, but here's what we do know. Why are they evading apprehension? Because among them are criminals, murderers, rapists, pedophiles, aggravated felons. They don't stay in El Paso. They don't stay in Brownsville. They make their way to every major metropolitan city in this country. And the last part, the three-legged stool of the threat, are the national security threats. In the last 25 months, Border Patrol has apprehended illegal aliens from 171 different countries, including countries that we have intelligence in the United States that we're concerned that they're either facilitating or providing financial support to terrorists or terrorist operations. 171 different countries. Literally, we could have the next sleeper cell in the United States that was among the 1.7 million gotaways uh, plan the next terrorist attack, and we would have no idea. That's why borders matter. I know, and I really love that how you explain that because this is not an issue that is open for debate as far as I'm concerned. You know, and having been an FBI agent for over 20 years, and you were an FBI agent for over 20 years, it's amazing to me because, you know, after 9-11, you know, I was a, I was a pre-9-11 agent. You were a pre-9-11 agent, and, and I have to um, just... Let's let's back up a little bit here. Let me just so people understand what life was like as an FBI agent prior to nine eleven. I was in the Dallas division of the FBI, and Mark, do you know? Let me ask you because each division has a different priority. Uh, there's sure. there's bureau priorities, but then there's you know you depending on where the office is, it Free may job, be a little right. bit different, right? So when I was in Dallas, Mark, do you happen to know what the number one priority at the time was when I was in Dallas pre nine eleven? Do you know? No. Uh, no, nobody, nobody would ever guess it. It was healthcare fraud. Healthcare yeah. fraud. That was our number one divisional priority at that time. Oh, it, Texas, in that area, they, they have some large, you know, uh, healthcare providers there. Yeah. So yeah, now, yeah. Now Unbelievable. Kind of Florida. Yeah. And that was the number one priority. Today, today, that seems, you know, people scratch their head. They go, really? Are you making that up? No, I'm not making that up. Then 9-11 happened. And then almost overnight, the priority in the the FBI. It's like the FBI did not look the same after 9-11. And so after that, I worked uh, almost exclusively counterterrorism after that until, well, then I went and became an instructor. But other than being an instructor, I was working mm -hmm. counterterrorism the entire time uh, to include it at headquarters twice, did two tours there. And we worked so hard, so hard to track terrorists, prevent certainly prevent yep. terrorists from coming yep. into the country. And and it's really deflating. And I tell you, a lot of the FBI agents and retired agents that I talk to, and current agents actually that I talk to, people don't realize what a morale killer that is for people that have devoted their lives to making sure that the American people are safe from terrorism attacks, only to look at what's going on now where 
it's we're not even trying to stop people from coming across the borders and it's just like what happened there and what we were if we had one person come across the border that was a potential terrorist that was like you know red alarms going off in in the fbi when i worked there and now it's just like come on across come on across what happened Mike, you're exactly right. I, I was especially in charge of the FBI's El Paso division. I could see Juarez, you know, from my window. So, so I had a frontline row of how critically important border security was. You know, I, I was the deputy on-scene commander for FBI counterterrorism uh, resources, you know, in Iraq. I deployed there for months. Uh, you know, so so after 9-11, there was this fundamental shift, as, as you dis- as you described. We went from a – as an entire country, we went from basically a reactive law enforcement agency to a proactive and what you said, very key, preventative national security approach. And both of those key words, proactive and preventative, that, that, that's, that's the significant transformation because as a nation, we didn't want to get better at reacting to the next terrorist attack. We wanted to prevent it. It really was a seismic shift in how we approach. And I think overall, we've been fairly effective at that. Not perfect, but pretty darn good. And now we fast forward, you know, a, a couple decades later, and look what has happened on our border. What happened to that? What happened to the proactive, preventative approach? It's the opposite now. We're simply reacting to what's happening at the border. And I think this is very key, very important. What's happening at the border, it's not about immigration. That, that's what this administration and open border advocates wants America to believe because if you're against what's happening at the border, you're against immigration. If you're against immigration, you're a racist, right? And so they're winning that narrative to a large degree. It's not. This country swells, swears in a, a million legal immigrants to be U.S. citizens every single year. We're the most compassionate nation in the co- country. This isn't about legal immigration, which we can talk about. We, they're, they're, I think we should talk about how we can improve the legal immigration system. But what's happening at the border isn't about legal immigration. It's about illegal immigration. And what happens is when you have people come across right now in the past 20, uh, 25 months, 7.4 million total encounters and gotaways in 25 months. There, there are, I think, 14 states whose, whose total population isn't that. And, and we've literally added a 51st state of those that have illegally entered or come across filing fraudulent claims. It's unsustainable for any country, Mike. And what happens is, as illegal aliens come, border resources are pulled away. They're pulled off the front line, away from their national security mission, and they're relegated to really being a federal travel agency for, for illegal aliens. Literally, we've handed operational control over to the cartels. And that's why drugs are pouring across, including fentanyl, criminals I described, but also potential national security threats. If we've learned anything, look, the FBI again continued to do their good work. Just last year, they prevented a terrorist attack, a plan that was going to assassinate a former president of the United States. And how were they going to accomplish that? By sneaking in terrorists through a wide open southwest border. I, I, Mike, I just don't understand. I don't understand why people are not you know, shouting from the mountaintops that this is stupid. An unsecure border is not a good thing. Illegal immigration is not a good thing. We have to secure our borders. It's what's right for the country. But here's one thing, too, I'll say. It's also right for the migrants. Because here's another dirty little lie that this administration isn't being honest with American people. Not only American lives being lost uh, because of our open border, but so are migrants. 
in the past 25 months, 15 dead migrants, 1,500, 1,500 dead migrants have been found at the southwest border. 30% of young women and children are raped and sexually assaulted on their journey up to the border. And we know that untold number of not just adults but also unaccompanied minors have been thrust into the life of labor and sex trafficking. But you'll never hear that from this administration. Again, there's no downside to securing our borders. Both migrant lives and American lives will be saved. You know, I'm I'm glad that you brought that up because one of the things that the, the public never sees and they can't see, you know, Mark, as I told you, I'm I'm working as a therapist in a, in a detox unit, drug and alcohol detox unit in a hospital. One of my roles is to go around and um, I do the the interview when they come because we you have to get a, as much information on each patient as we can in order to effectively treat them, create their uh, treatment plans, and you know follow on plans, all those things. So one of my job one of my jobs is to interview them. Uh, lots of uh, illegal migrants coming in, and they end up in the hospital as we should. We need to take care of of these people, and I and I interview them through interpreters. And one of the sections in the interview that I I do with them is I talk about trauma and PTSD and uh, what you know what's going on with them. And I I I tell you if. Anyone, if anyone listening to this podcast could spend a day with me and listen to the conversations I have with these people, as you said, you would that by the end of the day, you would be standing on the roof of your house with a megaphone telling everyone we must do something about this. Because, Mark, the stories I hear from the migrants that have come up and, and they talk about what it was like, not only for them, but for their families in the deaths, nearly all of them have had a family member die on that journey yes. coming up uh nearly all of the females that i talked to have been brutally raped or uh exploited in one form or another it is a humanitarian issue and your heart bleeds for these people when you uh listen to them and they made it and then then they're here and then they and, and the reason why they're they're talking to me is because they've developed a, a horrific uh drug problem and guess what guess what nine times out of ten the drug problem that they have is fentanyl um you know and here, mark tell me a country that you have somebody that came in they're illegal as i'm talking to them they're illegal but yet we're pouring the resources and i'm spending the time with them that i'm spending with them but putting them up into a top tier hospital like we are and taking care of them the way that we do name a country that would do that but yet but but the point is is yep. that i hear their stories and it is horrific mark horrific that, that, that's that's right mike mm-hmm. look i i'm enjoying this conversation because because this is the first time I've really heard of, of, a, of a healthcare provider in your position uh, that has had the firsthand knowledge. It's very important that this is exactly the kind of message we get out because I truly feel that the majority of Americans don't understand what you just described. Because, again, they're working maybe two jobs, trying to put food on the table, pay their mortgage. I get it. I understand. But they've got to start paying attention. I can't tell you the number of border patrol agents whose lives will never be the same because they've interviewed a 14-year-old girl who recounted how she was raped multiple times on her journey up here or a girl that was 12 years old that found a, a bag of pills in her backpack at 12 years old and, and, and the sheriff's deputy said what are these and, and they, uh, they're morning after pills my mother gave them to me before I entered the life uh, of, of, of trying to illegally enter because they anticipated I would probably be raped on my journey just a couple of months ago I was in El Paso with, with Texas DPS their elite uh, um, criminal investigative division where once again I found myself in a stash house there were about 14 adults uh, 13 adult males one adult female and one 
11 year old female in a in a single hotel room with double beds feces everywhere trash and food 11 adult males with a single 11 year old I, I mean I could go on and on Mike with the stories this is if, if if you want to be compassionate if you want to be humane secure our borders deter people from coming illegally stop them from entering this life of tragedy and suffering and then as you said Mike once they get here let, let me tell you a couple of things once they get here and they get in the United States they a lot of them they're not they're, they're not sharing the American dream you just ex- describe what's happening to a lot of them I'll tell you a lot of them again are being trafficked a lot of them are being thrust into the life of labor or sex trafficking. They're forced into work in slaughterhouses at horrible working conditions, getting paid virtually nothing to pay off their debt for being smuggled in. I mean, it's horrific. If anybody thinks that what's happening in the Southwest border is humane and just for the migrants themselves, they don't know the facts. They're not paying attention because the opposite has happened. And then at the end of the day, Who's paying for all of it? As you said, aptly so, the U.S. taxpayers. The the Federation for American Immigration Reform put out a study that said illegal immigration costs U.S. taxpayers conservatively about $150 billion a year. And again, you don't have to be a security expert. They come in. They're uneducated. They're unskilled. They have no means of support, no familiar connection. They immediately become welfares and recipients of welfare in this country immediately, all being paid by taxpayer dollars. And then a lot of them end up in the life that you talked about. Look, you and I, we, we both know because we work the FBI, work gangs in, in, in Southern California FBI. And and a lot of the unaccompanied minors that come in, they're, they're, they make great recruitment targets for gangs. And it happens to a lot of them. So no, no, what's happening our borders not humane for the migrants themselves or America. No, and many of them, and you're right, and many of them don't have any options but yep. to get into drugs and gangs and, and violence and all that. Because let me just share this with you, um, and I had never run into this before, uh, because a lot of the folks, they, they don't have any option but to get into the life of crime or um, certainly just live a horrific life because they're, uh, many of, they, don't, they don't speak English. And furthermore, I, I ran into this not long ago. I was interviewing a patient, and I'm, I'm talking through an interpreter. And the, the interpreter was having a hard time um, interpreting the questions or the, the patient's responses to my questions. Sure. And, and, I'm, and I'm, at first I'm thinking, you know, <laughs> did I get a bad interpreter? What's going on? And he finally turned, the interpreter turned to me and he said, Mike, here, here's the problem I'm having right now. This gentleman that I'm talking to is so illiterate in his, his language, in this language. case, yep. in this particular ca- uh, case, it was Spanish. Um, he is so illiterate. I, I don't understand, like the words he's giving me are made up. They're, they're not real words. And so I'm trying to figure out what it is that he's trying to tell me. And, and the point being is, is that not only are the people who don't speak English and are illiterate, but they're profoundly illiterate in even their own language. Yep, and it happens every day. What, so what, like, what is this future of this person um, in, in, in our society? And I don't mean that to say that he can't help the United States. What I'm saying is, no, literally – what is this person, what is their future? What is the future of their family? And, and it's well, not good. It's not good. That's exactly right, Mike. That's exactly right. And that's why I keep saying, if, if look, the, the, the migrant that's coming today illegally entering our country because this administration has said our borders are open, not only do they get exploited on their journey up to the United States and our border, but once they get in, they also continue to get exploited. That's that's what that's what I'm trying to to to, to resonate with American people. I think our, our our compassion, which is one of the things that makes America so great, has been hijacked, and they're being lied to. 
I, I mean, this administration is lying to the American people again and again. We have Secretary Mayorkas that says we have operational control and our borders are secure. When you, you, all you have to do is look at your own with your own eyes and see that that's a complete lie. Let alone the chief, his own chief of the border patrol has actually said the opposite. Uh, they, they both can't be right. It can't be secure or unsecure. One of them is wrong. I'm going to be. I'm going to go with the bureaucrat, Secretary Mayorkas. But it's right. There, there's again. There's no downside to securing our border. And if you think you're being compassionate, you're not. We just articulated why. I mean, if if you and I have, I've looked in the eyes of a seven-year-old, a uh, little girl whose eyes were the biggest saucer, scared to death, as this big, burly, tough border patrol agent knelt down and started talking to him in Spanish. Her eyes kind of kind of dried up a little bit, you know. And she had been with a group of another 25, 30 unaccompanied minors that the smugglers had just pushed across uh, our open border. And I vowed then that I was going to do everything that I could to stop that tragedy and suffering from happening. We, we've seen a one-year-old dropped off on a border as the smuggler ran to avoid apprehension. We've seen illegal aliens pushed over uh, in rafts in the Rio Grande so the smuggler could avoid apprehension. I, I, border Patrol in the last 25 months have conducted over 30,000 rescues, risked their own lives to save the lives of migrants who are illegally entering our country. This is insane. There is no country in the face of the planet that could or would put up with this right now. And again, illegal immigration is not a victimless crime. It causes our borders to be unsecure. Drugs coming across, criminal, national security threats, and also migrants are suffering and dying as well. Yeah. Now, shifting a bit, because that's at the national level, and of yep. course, I'm I'm running for a, a state office, uh, the Virginia State Senate. And I remember I did a podcast uh, sometime, maybe six months ago or so, and and I was talking about how Virginia was a border state. And I noticed, and I and I really got beaten up on online. Like, what do you mean, Virginia? Virginia is not a border state. And of course, in the podcast, I was trying to articulate why every state is now a border state. But specifically to Virginia now, why at the state level, and if you're looking at your state candidates, and I and I know you're not going to say vote for this party, because really it's not a party issue. But right. when it comes to this issue, what should the voters look at um, as far as a candidate is concerned in, in relation to the border? And why is this an important issue for the Commonwealth of Virginia? Yes. So I, I think that, that what we need Americans to do is set aside their ideology. And I know the next statement is going to be almost impossible, but set aside their politics. Stop looking at the border as a red or blue issue. When you're looking at a candidate, simply look at a candidate. Are they for strong border security or not? Are they being honest with American people? Because right now what's happening on our border is impacting every aspect of our nation's safety and national security. And yes, Virginia, along with every state in this country, is a border state. If, if, if there is a fentanyl death, if anybody listening right now in Virginia, if, if you have heard on TV or a friend or associate that, that, that has been impacted by fentanyl, that has died from fentanyl, I guarantee you, I promise you, that fentanyl did not just appear in Virginia via ferry dust. The fentanyl came from the southwest border. The precursor chemicals are coming from China directly to Mexico that are, are, are making synthetics drugs, lacing them with fentanyl, and they're distributing them across the entire country, the entire country country, including Virginia. The second thing, criminals that I talked about, the 1.7 million total gotaways. We know that there are very bad people. Yes, the majority of people are not bad people coming across, but 1.7 million 
that that's still a, that that is still a hell of a large number. And we know that there are murders, rapists, pedophiles, aggravated felons, and gang members among the 1.7 million known uh, and total gotaways. They're not staying in El Paso. They're not staying in Brownsville. It's a throughput. They're making their way to every major metropolitan city in this country. And the last thing I'll say why it should matter to Virginians is because we could literally have the next sleeper cell. It could be in Virginia right now, getting ready to, to plan a large-scale terrorist attack You know, in D.C. right now is being planned in Virginia. That's real. That's not hyperbole. Every state matters. Every citizen in every state, Mike, is being impacted by what's happening on our southwest border. And again, I, what, what I'm saying is, is there's a difference between border security and legal immigration. We are the most, we're the greatest country in the face of the planet. We can do both. We can secure our borders, stop illegal immigration because it, it jeopardizes our nation's safety and our security while we continue to talk about how we can prove legal immigration. Yeah, and I'm, I'm all for that, by the way, improving it. In fact, one of the things I'm going to do uh, if elected to the Virginia State Senate, Senate is look at, at those issues, you know, top down. Let's let's review what it is that we're doing. It's time that we look at these things and look at these issues and revamp them um, where necessary. If we need to overhaul our, our system in processing people, uh, we, we need to do that. We need to do that. Well, but, and, and it, oh, here's, here's what we could do, Mike, real, real quick. All we have to do is enforce the law, right? We just have to we have to, 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 to uh, implement policies that act as a deterrence to those that are thinking about breaking the law, apply consequences to those that do, and put integrity back in the system. Oh, guess what? And this is what some of your listeners may, uh, you know, excuse me being political. I'm not. I just I, – I, I, I call facts facts. Under the Trump administration, Mike, that's exactly what we did. We had a network of tools, authorities, and policies that provided a, a, a approach in a system of, of deterrence, consequences, and integrity back in the system. By February of 2020, we reduced illegal immigration by 85%. It's the lowest it had been in decades. We got more border patrol agents back on the line to secure our nation's border, to seize more drugs, more criminals, and stop a potential national security threats coming in. It's not complicated. You don't have to be a rocket scientist. Uh, and and look, that's the same reason why I think we have some crime in some of the cities, because it's the same thing. They're, they're not applying a system of deterrence or consequences. They're more focused on victim, uh, I mean, on criminal rights than rights of victims. We have to change the parameter. We, I believe in the Trump administration, we have the most secure border in our lifetime. We have a roadmap. We know how to do it. Now we just need the right political will to do it to safeguard our nation's borders. Yeah, well said. And along with that, we need the partnership between the state and local police departments to work hand in hand with the federal authorities. And and I can assure you that in the Virginia State Senate, that is something that I'm going to talk about constantly, that this idea that we, well, first of all, you you mentioned uh, the perpetrator's rights versus the the criminal's rights. We're going to reverse that. We are concerned here in in Mike Van Meter's campaign, we're concerned about the victim. And and that's exactly Exactly what we're going to do. And by the way, by the way, uh, for those that are listening that might be in this migrant community, because I know in my district we have a lot of people that are very, very concerned about family members and loved ones that have come here and are not here legally, and they think, well, you know, here come the Republicans and they're going to, you know, kick all these people out of the country. Um, I, I want to address that for one second, maybe get your thoughts on this. That, um, listen, you're here. 
Okay, I, there's nothing I can do about it. I, I, I pretty clear on how I stand on the border and border issues, but I'm, I'm all, I don't live in make believe land either. I know that there are people here, and uh, even if we did want to remove everybody from the the country that's here illegally, I, I don't know that that's that's feasible. I, I just don't I just don't know that that that's a reality. But what I do know, Mark, is this: that the people that are here that are here illegally are are disproportionately victimized by crime by drugs by gang recruitment on and on and on list of things and what i so the policies that i want to implement in the legislation and the the work that i want to do in the senate is going to help those people because whether you're here legally or not i want to make it very clear you have a right to not be victimized while you're here and from my perspective working in the hospital and doing the work that i'm doing i see it every day these people are exploited these people are traumatized and they're abused and no human being uh, should be subjected to that, so, and and we are going to address that. I, I, so, Mike, and, and I got to go here in a minute, but look, I, I agree with what you said on a, on, a, on a human being perspective, right? Is that that, that no one should su- suffer tragedy, no one should 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 be the victim of a crime. But here's what makes it so complicated: we, I believe, that's not the discussion we should be having, because the discussion we should be having is. Let's secure our borders so we stop letting people be uh, uh, in here that become victims. Let's go back to that proactive. Oh, I agree. Approach. Yeah, I agree with what, you. What there. we're doing, yep. right? What, what we're doing with our border right now, we're we're just pouring in new victims. I mean, every single day we're allowing thousands of new victims to to come in here. Oh, by the way, let's be honest; they're not all victims. Thousands are also pouring in on a daily basis that are bad people. Again, we know they're gang members, murderers, rapists, and pedophiles that are also coming in. That's why what's happening at our border is so serious. And then you're right. Look, look with with the the millions and millions of illegal aliens we have here. I, I, yeah, we could frame the discussion as it's not realistic to deport them all. But I mean, that'd be like saying, hey, we we're not going to find and arrest all bank robberies. So let's not try to arrest any bank robbery. No. So so what we do is like like was being done under Tom Holman, the former ICE director of ICE, is is you come up with a systematic approach to prioritize. Right. And so you work with local law enforcement. So when they come across an illegal alien that committed additional crime, we focus on that and we make sure that those individuals are definitely being removed. But that's not not what's happening to this administration. No. The only individuals that are being removed right now, if you're a known or suspected terrorist or you've been convicted of an aggravated felony. So you literally could be here illegally, commit another crime, get arrested uh, by a sheriff's department, and they're going to call ICE and say, hey, look, we've got somebody that's an illegal alien. That, that's a guy with avoided, avoided apprehension. We just arrested him for a nonviolent crime in the United States. You know what ICE tells them under this leadership right now? Nope, not a problem, not a priority. Go ahead and release him back to your community. Wow. That. <laughs> no, and we we are going to work very very hard right. to make sure that doesn't happen. No, very well said. You know, you and I uh, believe me, you and I are in yep. agreement on that. And um, I know you got to go, but I appreciate yep. your time with us today. Been fam- great conversation, Mark. Thank you too, you. Mike. And, and look, look, look forward to to continue this. And and I know you have uh, some engagements, some grassroots efforts going on. And and you know, I'd love to join you to to continue to just educate the American people on the truth and reality and why border security matters. Right. Well, thank you. And also, if anyone wants to reach out to you or learn more about what you're doing, is do you have any uh, social media that you'd like to put out to the listeners? So I, I, I try to stay off of it personally, but I really direct them to, to the, the Heritage Foundation okay. or FairUS.org. Those are two great organizations I'm a part of. They've got a lot of great information that people can get educated and really look, learn the truth and reality of what's happening on our border. 
Uh, you said the Heritage Foundation, and what was the other one? Yeah, fairus.org, F-A-I-R-U-S.org. Oh, fantastic. Heritage Foundation and fairus.org. And Mark, as always, just great talking with you. And uh, let's do this again sometime. And looking forward to seeing you at some of the events uh, as we ramp up for November. (laughs) Thank you. You bet. Thanks, Mike. Uh, All right. Thank you, guys. And thanks again for joining us here on the Mike Van Meter Show. And you can check out some information on my campaign. That's Van Meter for Virginia. And that's spelled out F-O-R. And then E-R on the end. That's Van Meter for Virginia.com. And and don't forget, folks, we've got the election coming up November 7th. And uh, we'll be talking with all of you soon. You guys take care of yourselves. We're going to do it. We're going to make Virginia the gold standard here in the United States. We're going to do it. One vote at a time. Take care.